I'll cut this part out. Oh God, are you recording <laughs> this? I've been recording the whole time. Why are you doing this? Because I'm covering the show. I will you cut can't this put out. It, yeah, you, I will not put that in. I said bad things. Pop Culture Affidavit Episode 90, Geek Fest, the 2018 Baltimore Comic Con. Hello and welcome to episode 90 of Pop Culture Affidavit, the podcast that takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries, and this is my sixth annual look at the Baltimore Comic Con. This year's convention was held on the last weekend of September on what ended up being one of the very few sunny weekends in the entire month, because if you have been following the weather on the East Coast all September, we really have had nothing but rain. I mean, I think Charlottesville got something on the order of seven inches of rain in the last three weeks alone, so the fact that it was seasonable up in Baltimore was pretty refreshing to say the least, you know, even if we were indoors for most of the day. But, you know, I didn't come here to talk about the weather. I came here to talk about comics and a comic convention. And even before we set off for the city, this comic convention was shaping up to be one of the biggest experiences yet, at least for me, partially because of the creators who were there, but also because some of my fellow comics podcasters and I had decided that this would be the site of a big meetup. For the past couple of years, I've had the pleasure of seeing Professor Allen, Gene Hendricks, and Darren and Ruth Sutherland, among a few other people. But this year we got Gene, Darren and Ruth, Luke Dobb, Derek Crabb, Keith G. Baker, Shag, Stella, and a few others, some of whom I was able to get great contributions from for this very episode. Plus, I also got to meet and talk with a number of creators, and Brett was once again along for the ride. It was an incredible time, and I am still enjoy seeing everyone's pictures and everything. Uh, Derek, especially, has gotten some these tons of these promo posters signed, and he shared some amazing stuff on Facebook lately. It's been really cool to see. Now, to pull back the curtain a little bit, um, I have, for the past, I think, five years or so, gotten a press pass for the convention, and as part of that, I spend my time doing convention prep, figuring out my angle. In other words how I'm going to cover the convention. That sounds harder than you'd think it would be because a comic convention is more or less the same thing every year. But I don't want it to get stale, right? That's why I have had years where Brett and I talked about the kids love comic stuff. I've done one-on-ones with Gene and Alan. 
And uh, what I decided to do this year was actually just take the approach of reverse engineering everything. So I just got a bunch of coverage and I assembled it from the things that I put together. That meant going back through the audio and finding out what belonged together. And this actually proved incredibly easy because I noticed that as the day went on, things went in segments more or less. So I can actually, as we go through this episode, take you through my day in chronological order, more or less. And that includes planning for the convention, conversations with creators, trip down Artist Alley, a panel in the Kids Love Comics Pavilion, and through the back end of the day where I did some shopping and hung out with friends such as Stella and Shag. I'll start with the prep, which I approached pretty much the way I usually do, which was to look at the guest list and see who I am interested in meeting. The two biggest names this year were Tom Grummet and Carl Kiesel, at least in my mind, um, and they had not been to the convention before. They had also just released their hardcover for the Kickstarter-funded Section Zero series. Beyond that, there were a number of returning guests, and what I did was start with a pretty huge list, and I narrowed down my pile. I considered the usual stuff. How much money was I going to spend on signatures? How long the lines would be? How much I could physically carry? But I also, for the first time in a couple of years, actually asked myself when looking at a comic book to have signed, do I really need the signature? It's odd to do that. Uh, comics collectors have a got em, catch em all mentality, and, and that's where we get in trouble. And like Shag said at one point during our conversation, he has 49 long boxes in the garage behind the Christmas decorations. I don't have that problem yet, but that's because I tend to sell a lot of comics but anyway I have in the past had to stand in line for quite a long time for a number of people and this year I was getting a little more wary of doing that um there are certain people I would always stand in line for but then there are other people who I'm like you know what do I really need to um so what I did was I did a draft of a highlighted list of creators and then I trim things down to a top 10 and then even then I prioritized the signatures. I started with the uniqueness of that person's work, what I could bring to the table and then I limited myself to what I absolutely had to have signed. Then I did the usual anal retentive has a hyphen bit copyright Michael Bailey of finding their names on the program map and highlighting them as well as drawing a line on the map that denoted the path I was going to take. Believe it or not this really really helped me. But I will also say that my list of creators does seem to shorten every year. There are some whom I will always see, Terry Moore for instance, but others whom I met once or twice and could skip one year. And then there are the bucket list people. I'm sure you know what I mean by this, but I'll explain it anyway. Is These are creators who I would jump at the chance to see. Tops on that list for a time were Marv Wolfman and George Perez, whom I've both met now. Also on that list were Jerry Ordway, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, and Tom Grummet, whom I saw this year. Now, they all have 1980s DC in common. They're, a lot of them did Titans art and or, uh, or something else that was really, really significant to me, so you can totally see why I wanted to meet them. Here are uh, a few others that are on the list. Uh, one of them is Phil Jimenez, who you should be obvious, uh, again, the most obvious one because of his Titans work. If I could ever get him and uh, EW's Jeff Jensen to sign my old Team Titans books, that would be pretty sweet. Chuck Dixon, who is hands down my favorite Batman art writer of all time. I also enjoyed his run on the NOM and some of his Punisher stuff that I've read. Chris Claremont, 
Um, I'm not a huge X-Men fan. I had a small collection of X-Men comics at one point, and I've sold it, but I have gotten a lot of the essential volumes on the cheap. I still have my Dark Phoenix and Days of Future Past trades. Plus, if nothing else, I want Chris Claremont to sign my copy of the Uncanny X-Men New Teen Titans crossover from the early 80s. Jerry Conway. Jerry was supposed to be the show, I think it was either last year or two years ago, and then he had to cancel. It's a bummer because I would have loved to talk to him about Cinder and Ash. I love that series. Plus, I have some old Justice Leagues of his that I would love to have him sign. And finally, um, a newer uh, duo of creators, but I, I really do want to meet Sean McKeever and Mike Norton, who did The Waiting Place. Um, McKeever wrote the whole thing, and, and Mike Norton was the artist in volumes two and three. That's one of my all-time favorite uh, graphic novels, an independent series, and uh, I would love to have the chance to sit down and, and meet them. Perhaps I will at one point. Um, if you want to hear me talk about The Waiting Place, you can go back to episode 49 of the show and listen to my episode there. So yeah, that's my bucket list. Um, I may add John Costanza to that list because his name is such a part of 80s and 90s DC comics through his lettering that I think would be an astonishing conversation to have, but I'm not sure he does conventions. Anyway, I encourage you to send me a list of names on your creator bucket list. Who are the writers, artists, or celebrities that you would drop everything and pony up the money to meet? Email me at popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com and I'll put a segment together. So, that was show prep. Now to the show itself. Brett and I arrived at our usual psycho early time of 8 o'clock in the morning for a 10 o'clock rope drop because we left my in-laws in Northern Virginia early because you want to avoid traffic on I-95 in any way possible. I think that also worked out for Gene and Stella because they found us in line near the front. And uh, when we got in, our first creator was Tom Grummet. I was expecting a long line for him or for him not to be there. But I was second or third in line, mainly because Brett and I used our Disney Fast Pass method of just bolting ahead and getting right to the ride line, scanning our magic bands. You know, you know the drill. You know how it goes. I think that uh, scared Stella, by the way. She literally said to me, I've never seen you like this before. That's probably a pretty bad imitation of um, Stella. I'm not going to apologize. She thinks I owe her an apology for something, but I don't. Anyway, ahead of me in line was this guy who had a wagon. He literally had a wagon, uh, and he was hauling around what looked like a huge replica of the crystals from the Fortress of Solitude from Superman the movie, and it had a ton of signatures on it. I got a picture of Tom Grummet signing it, and I saw Helen Slater's name on it. I saw a couple others, and it was one of those unique pieces that I think if somebody were like with you or at your place, you could tell them about it. And then this is something that actually came up on Twitter recently. Things that you're collecting signatures on or in. Some people post the pictures of like Les Daniels books. Um, I could probably share a number of signatures I've collected in a book called Leaping Tall Buildings. It's this great photograph and interview book of various comics creators. I've gotten like Neil Adams and Larry Hama and Walt Simonson, Jules Pfeffer. I've been bringing it almost every year to the convention to find somebody. Now, two people from the book were in that, uh, were at the convention this year, Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello. I considered that. Um, Frank Miller's price was way too high for me, so I, I 
I set that aside um, pretty much right away. Brian Azzarello's line was incredibly long, and by the time I got to his line, I was like, I don't feel like standing in line for this long, so I just let it go. I've considered retiring that book anyway, so to speak, and finding another book or poster to have signed. I briefly considered getting everyone who worked on the NOM sign this great NOM poster that Scott Gardner sent me, that he already had Michael Golden sign for me, uh, but not enough people from that title come to the show every year, so I, I set that aside. But I may look through my stuff and see what I have. Um, if you have something that you're always lugging around convention floors or carrying in a backpack and it's got it's covered in signatures in various places, like to the point where creators look to see who has signed it when you show it to them or it's just one of those things that you're like really really proud that you're getting a lot of people to sign um or you're very proud that somebody one person has signed like for instance i really really do like the fact that i have that um michael golden nom poster um i love getting the who's who pages signed that's something i love doing um let me know again popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com is is the email address now back to Tom Grummet. I brought him mostly Titans-related stuff. Uh, this included something I'm actually proud to have signed, the infamous Titans number 100 t-shirt. Uh, way back in my coverage of the new Titans on uh, My Life as a Teen Titan, I talked about Titans 100, and the front of the shirt is this amazing Titans team picture. The back is Raven in dominatrix form. Um, I also brought him number 65, number 71, and 75 of the book. 65 is that great cover of Dick and Tim, and it's as it began with Batman, and it's this really wonderful story about the two of them um, training together. Um 71 is the beginning of the Titans hunt. That was my very, very first Titans issue that I bought with my own money. And 75 is the big Jericho reveal in the middle of the Titans hunt. I also brought him several pages from the Loose Leaf Who's Who. That included Changeling, Starfire, Jericho, Cyborg, Raven, Panther, and... Somebody else whose name escapes me at the moment, but is also a Titan. Because I bought him seven. Oh, oh no, the new Titans, the entire team photo, the entire team photo. Anyway, um, I also brought my copy of the Superman Wedding Album. I picked up a copy of the Section Zero hardcover and a postcard, signed postcard of a replica of the Robin number one cover, which was pretty cool. We also talked for a couple of minutes about the Titans and interesting his connection to an actor from Degrassi High. After that, I talked to Carl Kiesel, who signed my copy of the History of the DC Universe hardcover. That's the really nice graffiti designs hardcover that um, Shag sent me a couple of years ago. I also had him look at the Who's Who binder pages for Flamebird and Dove. And he and Tom Grummet signed the Section Zero hardcover. I haven't had a chance to read Section Zero yet, but um, I'm really looking forward to. Here are my conversations with Tom Grummet and Carl Kiesel. And then, um, you need some books signed? Yeah, and a... And, it, and, and the Legion... Oh, the Titans t-shirt? Yeah, which I had... I'll just sign it right here. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. Try and make it look sort of like my yeah. signature. It's close enough. 
Well, I appreciate go. that. Yeah, this is this is a fine. I've been. Yeah, a, you can keep the card in there oh, thank for a you. second or two. I um, I started reading with your Titans comics. Oh, thank you. So it was uh, nice to hear. Twenty twenty five years ago. Um, to ask you a kind of a weird question. I found your Instagram because I follow one of the actors who was on Grassy High, and I was wondering... Pat Mastriani. Yeah, Pat Mastriani. I was wondering if, if you had a personal connection with him or if you were just a, a fan uh, Yeah, of we met, we met uh, Pat at a show in Regina, Saskatchewan a couple years back when we started doing... Okay. And... Uh, we, we we were smokers back How you then, doing? so we'd be outside and we ran into <laughs> these guys. And our daughter grew up on the, the grassy yeah. show when Pat was on the show. So uh, we connected that way, and we've been in connection ever since. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I yeah. grew up watching that, and then... Um, oh, oh, these, yeah. These. yeah. And then um, they're doing that tour, and I live in Virginia, so I don't have the, the means to get up to Canada to see him, so I, I follow it, though, to see maybe one day I'll be able to meet him. You're following him on Instagram, so yes, you're familiar that they do the tours? Yeah. I would lean on your local con and see if you can get, get the Degrassi folks in there, because apparently it's a great show. <laughs> yeah, he's been doing a lot of different uh, releases. So. I, um, just Titans related, I've always been kind of curious uh, to a couple of things on this one where Donna has that costume that never really appeared. Were there plans? This for, one? Yeah, were there plans for her beyond what eventually happened with her losing her powers? And, uh, uh, I frankly don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, this, this costume she was in was my attempt to somewhat simplify the costume George had designed. Uh, we were basically, every once in a while you try and freshen things up a little bit by deciding to change costumes. I, I'm not sure it was a wise thing to do at the time. No, this was a treat. I've been, I've been... You were kind of on my, uh, if there's a bucket list for comics creators to get signatures from, you were, you were on that list. And this, is a, this is a real treat. Thank you. Yeah, and Carl's just over here if you want to yeah. get your book signed as well. I will. Well, it was a pleasure to meet you. I really appreciate this. No problem. And, um, thank you very much. Have a great convention. Enjoy the book. All right, thanks. Hi. Hi, how are you today? Good. And then I've got... Uh, I think you did. I think you were on my list yes. to have that. I worked on it so I can yeah. sign it. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple of couple of these. Um, I've always been curious where the idea of Don Granger came from with uh, with the new Hawk and Dove. When you read well, I was thinking the uh, history of the DC Universe mm -hmm. and the double-page spread that had to do with Crisis. George had drawn a little uh, inset of all the characters that had died, and Dove had died during the Crisis. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, and I was thinking, Dove, that really should have been a girl. It really should have been a woman, you know? Uh -huh. And that's where this, the idea came from, and then you know, my first wife and I uh, pitched the idea at, uh, at DC, and Mike Carlin was kind enough to say, yeah, let's do that, you know? Cool. So that's where it came from. Yeah, and I love the, this is one of my favorite books of all time, 
Was it um, was it more extensive of an inking job to do on on the history of the university since it was like such a huge special or? There was pressure. There's, you know, I felt pressure because it was George who did wonderful work, and you know, it was very definitive. So I really didn't want to screw it up. Um, but it was also a lot of fun. You know, Richard Bruning, who was the art director at DC at the time, was encouraging me, encouraging me to to try to try different things. And like the enemy ace image, I tried to have a Kubert feel to the inks and stuff like that. So in the end, I think it was a very good experience that I really enjoyed. And George, he's a very generous man, so he, he never complained. To me, at least. <laughs> so I met him once. He was incredibly nice. He's a very nice guy. Well, thank you very much. All right. Time to get a line going. It's very nice. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. Next is someone I have met before. That's Mike Zach. I had the opportunity to have him him sign my copy of the Craven's Last Hunt trade, which JMD Mateus signed a couple of years back, and Bob McLeod also signed this year. Mike took a moment to tell me about what went into recoloring the story for that trade back in the uh, early 1990s. Here's Mike Zek. Yeah, this was um, this was my first Spider-Man story. And, um, you were, I think, you were one of the first artists I ever really saw because my um, my friends had a bunch of. I had some of the Secret Wars books, and they've been lost to time back when I was a kid. But uh, I loved your. I've had, you've signed in the past a few of my G.I. Joe covers, so those were, that was, that was what got me into comics back in the day, so. Um, so I noticed that you guys recolored this when you did this uh, edition. What was the motivation behind this? The motivation behind Yeah, so like, so, because I, I, bought, I bought the original issues yeah. way back in 1987. And I, yeah. and I just, just the fact that we had better paper and we, we, <laughs> we, we could recolor it and... <clears throat> and uh, we, we, we actually took a while to do it. I, I actually took all the pages, took uh, pastel pencils, like colored type pencils, and recolored everything. Pretty much exactly how I wanted to look, and then gave it to the airbrush guys. <laughs> you know, to just go and try to, and then use my pages as a template. Because these were, you remember blue lines, what, what they were doing, yeah, blue, blue line coloring stuff. Yeah, that's what these were. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. You're it's quite welcome. It's a pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, thanks for bringing that by. Thank you. Right, have a good show. You too. Another perennial Baltimore Comic Con guest was Terry Moore, and I think I have seen him almost every year that I have attended the convention. Each year I find an article or a book of his to buy, and I also bring a few Strangers in Paradise trades for him to sign because I'm trying to get signatures in all 19 of them. I'm working on it. This year, however, it was extra special. Terry was the subject of the convention's yearbook. Now, this is a hardcover book full of pictures by various artists in attendance, and it centers around one particular theme. You can do a scavenger hunt for all of the people's signatures and get some free prints. Um, I got uh, about 12 signatures, I think, including Terry Moore's. Uh, These included Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, John K. Snyder III, Tim Truman, Tom Zoller, Zia Adams, Javier Cruz Winnick, Chris Flick, Franco, Carolyn Bolevsky, S.L. Gallant, Gallant, and Luke Dobb. You'll hear from some of those people later, but for now, here is Terry Moore talking about the yearbook and the current revival series of Strangers in Paradise. But I do have to ask, how does it feel to be the, the centerpiece for the, uh, for the yearbook and have everybody draw your various characters? It's a huge honor. 
and really, frankly, it's humbling. Yeah, I'm very, very touched. It's a delight to see everybody's ideas. These people are funny, very creative. Um, I'm enjoying the new series. How uh, how long are you planning on um, on doing the on, on keeping up with the, the 25th uh, anniversary as we as you go on? It only goes to issue 10. It only goes to issue 10. Okay, it's 10 issues. All right. So I've gotten I've been getting them as they come in. So I'll, I'll probably. Uh, do you think beyond this you'll, you'll revisit the characters or...? He doesn't look like that. Yes, in, in one way or another. I don't need a uh, So, I'm, I'm, we're working on a Stranger's Paradise movie. So, we'll see. Well, any plans for the characters from Echo? Yes. Okay. Anything that... Nothing you can tell us about, I guess? Right. Nothing I can announce yet. Okay. Is that my copy or is that his? What is this bag? Oh, that's mine? Okay. Okay. Well, well, thank you. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to sign my stuff. And, and Happy to, to do it. Thank you for having me. All right. Also in attendance was someone who is a friend of friends of the show, and that is Tom Zoller. Later in the day, Gene was nice enough to introduce the two of us, and we got to chat a little bit while he signed my copy of the yearbook. It was cool to finally have a few moments to talk to him. I actually feel bad for not buying anything then and there, but I did go to Tom's website afterwards um, earlier this week. I ordered a copy of his graphic novel, Long Distance. I also intend to order a few others. Um, in, I've heard really good things about love and capes, so I'm looking forward to see what they're like. If you're interested, by the way, in Tom Zoller or anybody else I talk to here or I'm talking about here, I will give you guys links in the show notes to their various sites and projects. And I will especially do it for the people I talk to in Artist Alley. It's a part of the convention that I admit I don't always spend a lot of time in, but I made a note to go see a couple of people, one of which was Andrea Rose Washington. She is a sci-fi fantasy author whom I had spotted on Twitter the night before because of the Baltimore Comic Con hashtag, and I have to say that her using the hashtag got me interested, and I bought one of her novels, Ellen Dill after speaking with her. So here's my brief talk with Andrea Rose Washington. Uh, would you want to give her my podcast, Mrs. Carpenter, my son? <laughs> so, um... Train them while they're young. It's yeah. fun, yes. So, um... Again, walking car. I don't know, introduce yourself. Uh, oh, you're the author, I'm sorry. Yes. No, 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 I should actually pay attention. Uh, so, 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 name tags. So, yeah, you can tell that we've been kind of running around yeah, since about 10 o'clock. Yeah, totally understand. So, you are, uh... Andrea Rosalind. Okay, and so, um, you've got... Two books here. Are they uh, are they a series? Or are they separate? They are two separate books, but this one will be a series. Okay, and this is uh, so. What are what do you? I see fantasy primarily. What are you writing about? Who are your characters? Um, so this book right here is about my main character Sasha and Cassie. Um, this one on a run from a hit squad after a secret from Sasha's mother's past comes back to haunt them. So now they're on a run to an aunt they never knew existed for protection they never knew they needed. This is a more modern, magical um, coming of age story set in the fantasy world, and a is more of a sci-fi based book. Um, this was about Abriana and her father and how the lives are sort of thrown for a loop um, when the mother who abandoned her when she was only three days old comes back into their lives. So now they're faced with all the challenges that come with that and then so they're thrown into a war that has just not her life but lives of millions hanging in the balance. Okay. So what got you into sci-fi and fantasy? Um, to begin with? 
I like space. <laughs> I like space. I like cool. magic. I grew up um, watching Star Trek and Star, um, yeah, Star Trek with my dad. Um, Captain Picard, he's the best one. Um, so I've always been fascinated by that. Um, I never really just fit into the normal what was supposed to be watching on TV. You know, I had to have comics. I had to have fantasy. I had to have a whole different world I could escape to. So this is sort of where I belong. <laughs> And so, uh, when did you discover that, like, writing was your passion? Like, what, what sparked that? Um, I've been writing since... My teachers would hate this because I would write in class instead of taking notes. Um, so this would be, like, from, like, third grade on, I would just write little stories. Um, I would always read books and wonder, like, what if they went this way? Or what happened if that they went that way? Um, so I started with, like, fan fiction when I was, like, in elementary school and high school. And then, like, high school near college was when I was like, wait, I could actually just make my own story and write my own thing instead of trying to write someone else's. And so, yeah, I found out when I was a kid that writing was what I wanted awesome. to do. All right, so um, where can people find um, find your stuff, find your books? Um, you can find me on Amazon. Okay. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm Andrea Rose W. Um, and then my website is AndreaRoseWashington.com. Okay, yeah. cool. We also ventured into the Kids Love Comics area, where Brett bought a couple of things, and I got a yearbook signature from Karen Bolevsky. And this next person, Javier Cruz Winnick, who has a great positive-sounding Kickstarter that I gave a little bit of money to, and he told me about. So I just contributed to the Kickstarter. So what is the Kickstarter about? Like, you know, um, and uh, you are just a little bit of introducing yourself. Okay. So, uh, so my name is Javier Cruz Winnick. I am the author and illustrator of the A Reason a Small Book series. And at this point in time, I am now trying to get my third book, of the A Reason to Smile series funded, and it's called A Reason to Smile, Making Friends. Okay, so what is A Reason to Smile about? So A Reason to Smile is about a little Puerto Rican girl named Luisa Brillante, and she's a walking silver lining. So I wanted to just uh, create an everyday story that we all uh, have to deal with, but happen to have a Puerto Rican character be the, the star of the series. So she's always trying to find the bright side out of life and help other people do the same. So with Volume 1, she's helping other people out, while in Volume 2, she has her own issues to deal with, so she has to help herself out. And then in this new book, she gets to meet her friends for the very first time because she gets to go have fun in the park. All right. And uh, if people are interested in finding your work and the Reason to Smile Volume 1 and 2 and then the Kickstarter for 3, like, where can, they, where can they find you? So if they go to Google, they can type in Kickstarter, A Reason to Smile, okay. and the first link that pops up, that's my, that's my campaign. Again, if they wanted to find you, your art, um, any of your other stuff, do you have a website or Twitter or anything? Thecurve.com, um, the C-U-R-V, no E at the end. Uh, also, I'm on Instagram and Twitter under the learning curve. And then you can uh, just type in Javier Cruz Winnick and then you'll find me on every social platform. All right. Well, thank you. For, thank you very much. It's really cool. Now, one of my favorite artists in Artist Alley was Luke Dobb. Um, I purchased two gorgeous prints from him. One of them was a minimalist style Batman. The other one of the same style but of Wonder Woman. That one was for Amanda, who absolutely loved that print, and I think the Batman print itself is really awesome. And while I think I kind of embarrassed him a little by acting like a total dork at the beginning of our interview, here is what he had to say and, and our conversation. We should be recording a I should be recording. So, all right. so I'm here with Luke Dobb. Um, hi. Okay, so, hi. The most attractive man in podcasting. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> That's a shag thing. That's I, a, I just, it is I a shag I, oh, thing. That, I've never had more people tell me I'm um, beautiful than. So you've been, 
where are you, where are you, where are your, where is your home base? I'm, uh, I'm in basically Chicago. I say Chicago, but I'm in the western suburbs of Chicago. I have cousins in, my aunt and uncle are in Naperville. Oh yeah, I'm just north. In and up. 20 minutes north. Okay. Yep. Um, so what you got you into doing, uh, just doing artwork and and the type of artwork you've been doing? Uh, well the type of artwork I've been doing, I've been doing art my entire life. Mm -hmm. And when I went to school for art, uh, my parents told me, um, you know, you can do whatever you want. You're not coming home, though. <laughs> so as long as you can make a living doing it, yeah. uh, go have at it. So uh, when I was in art school, I, I ended up majoring in graphic design because I mm -hmm. thought, like, well, that's, you know, I love to illustrate, but design is, is something that still scratches the, the creative itch. Um, but the funny thing was I did book covers for a few years, and then I did branding and logos. And... But I've still always loved drawing, and I never gave it up. And so a few years ago, when I started, well, probably 10 years ago now, uh, I started a job where I finally had, like, full, uh, where am I going? I, I'm tired. No, <laughs> trust me, we, we left, we left my in-laws at 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. We've been, we've been up. Basically, like, I, when I started just drawing for pleasure about 10 years ago again, it was, I, I had to pick it up again because I, I just missed it so much. And what I found had happened was that my design training uh, for simplicity and clean lines really had kind of melted with my illustration style to, to, to create the approach that I have. So I, you know, when I look at my stuff now, it's, I, I feel like it's as much a graphic design piece as it is an illustration piece. Okay. So it's sort of a melding of the two. Um, anything you've got upcoming that you wanted to promote other than your website, like where people can find you and, and get your artwork? Uh, well, people can find me on DobCreative.com, and I am on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook as DobCreative as well. Um, upcoming, I am currently in talks. I don't know how much I can actually even say about anything. I'm currently in talks to do my very first graphic novel, which would be a... A 70-page graphic novel uh, written by a couple people in the industry who are pretty pretty well known. Nice. Uh, so to me, it feels uh, super exciting. We're we're just in talking stages right now, but it, it's definitely like a jumping in the deep end okay. for me. Um, I couldn't be couldn't be more excited Very and good. terrified at the same time. Yeah. Uh, is this your first time in Baltimore for the convention? Yep. Here? So what do you here. think so far? Uh, so far, it's a great show. I love, like, the whole yearbook concept has been a really fun thing. So, uh, Tom Zoller is, he's around the corner, a mm -hmm. uh, good friend of mine, and he he's just raved about this show anytime we talk about it, so I, I knew I had to do it, so. Anybody around here um, in the uh, industry, like, creators and stuff you're interested in meeting today? Or? Uh, I ran around and talked to as many people as I could yesterday. Uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be with uh, Ramona Fraden, um, Tony Isabella, Neil Adams, Art Adams, uh, Mark Schultz. I love Mark's work. He's here, and um, yeah, that, there's the, the caliber of people the show has brought in is just super exciting. Like I, I had a total geek out moment when I was looking at the list. So. Very cool. Yeah, oh. I feel like I fanboyed <laughs> quite a bit yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this was awesome. Thank you. These are yeah. really, really cool. I'm gonna hang these up, and uh, it's great meeting you. Finally. Sure. Yeah. Nice to meet See you on too. Facebook. Yeah. I should also mention that with him, um, 
was little, as Shag calls him, little Russell Burbage, uh, who runs a legion of super bloggers blog. And I, I love that blog. I love going on there. Um, I have never been a huge fan of the legion. I flitted in and out. I'm really interested in the five year later storyline. So I've read some of Russell's stuff on it. It's made me even more interested. Maybe I will start a collection of that once I'm done with a couple of the series I'm chasing right now. And, uh, um, he was great to meet, great to talk to. It was kind of a bone. It was a real, real, real treat there. But after spending time with creators, Brett and I had the chance to learn how to draw cartoon werewolves with Chris Flick over in the Kids Love Comics area. Um, he, what he did was he broke down drawing into various geometric shapes, and then he showed all the kids the basics of penciling and inking. I had audio of that, unfortunately, but unfortunately it didn't really come out very clear, so I'm just going to direct you to the show notes to see Brett's werewolf and mine. Brett's is much better because he actually shaded in the fur and he was really into making sure he really looked like a werewolf. I'm not entirely sure how many more years he'll be doing the Kids Love Comics Pavilion with me because he's 11 now and I think he'll start to age out of it. But I will say that once again, the Baltimore Comic Con does a wonderful job of making kids feel welcome. And I think that's, uh, that is really, you know, really, really cool. I think that's also one of the reasons why Brett keeps wanting to come back. He feels like there's stuff for him to do and not just spend the day with me. Um, speaking of which, though, uh, he did get to have lunch with me because we did break for lunch after the Kids Love Comics Pavilion. And um, what I'm going to do is take a break. And when I get back, I'll go through my usual list of comics bought, other signatures acquired, and I'll get to the geek meetup. So stick around. Star Trek, comic books, mythology, video games, toys, Star Wars, just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by Two True Freaks. Come join me. Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with. And be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. Beginning in 2018, the Who's Who podcast enters the 1990s with our coverage of the Loose Leaf Editions. Featuring Superman by Jerry Ordway. The Joker by Brian Bolland. Wonder Woman by George Perez. Sandman by Mike Dringenberg. Batman by Norm Brayfogle. The JLI by Adam Hughes. Eclipso by Bart Sears. The Legion of Superheroes by Keith Giffen. Dark Stars by Travis Charest. Lobo by Simon Bisley. Kent Shakespeare by Chris Sprouse? Who is that? Doomsday by Tom Grummet. Wait, are we covering these by issue or in alphabetical order? The Justice Society of America by Mike Parabek. The Forever People again? You are f***ing kidding me. Doom Patrol by Richard Case. <sighs> I'm so confused. And many more. The Who's Who Podcast, going boldly into the 90s. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I guess. Sawate. 
My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters, and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Okay, my darlings, are you ready? So as we got ready for the con, there was a huge Facebook group among a number of my fellow podcasters and myself about who was going to be attending the show and what we were looking forward to doing. There were also a couple of dinners and other meetups, although Brett and I did our usual thing, which worked out for us anyway. That was going to five guys on the way home from from the convention. What is cool is that I saw a number of people almost right away, as there were a few of us that were there right at the beginning of the convention on Saturday. I will say that I took off pretty quickly and got a lot of stuff done once I got into the convention, and I did run into a few people before lunch. But after lunch, 
was when we really did have a lot of fun. Even though my phone had completely died by then, and I honestly think it's time to either get a new battery or a new phone, I was able to get a hold of and meet up with Shag, Stella, Gene, and a couple of other people. I ran into Keith G. Baker near the front of the convention. We had a quick conversation. Um, I had a quick conversation with Darren and Ruth Sutherland shortly after they arrived. They are always nice to see. And uh, since we had done most of our shopping, Brett and I were just able to wander around the aisles of the convention for a while and then talk to Gene and Shag and Stella about their impressions of the show. Gene had been at the show last year, so I got to talk to him about this year versus last year, which at a glance doesn't sound like a big topic, but he and I have both done Disney World more than once. So when I say this, and he's probably listening, he can probably attest to the mentality of, okay, I've done it once, I'm going to do it again, because when I do it again, I'm going to do it better the second time. Almost that sort of competition with yourself to have an even better vacation. Um, So I I was curious as to kind of what he had to say about the second time around and here is what gene had to say so second year here yes what are you doing different this year what have you what have you noticed what are you enjoying i don't know well this the the main difference we did this year was the zachary levi autograph mm-hmm. because her favorite movie. disney movie is tangled oh cool so she had to get his signature but that was an hour and a half out of her day Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've already done that? That we've done. Okay. How was he? He's very nice. Very, very, very. Yeah, real, cool. real nice guy. Happy to be there. You know, uh, he was late, but you know he's yeah, not he was late, very late. I did ask him if I could record. Oh, something, and he said no because I didn't have a press pass. Uh huh. But if you have a press pass, you've been cleared. He's happy to record. Something. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the main thing we're doing different this year is we got here Friday night. Yeah. We didn't come to the con Friday night, but it meant that we could be here for rope drop. Yes. <laughs> and then come swoop right in, get our Section Zero yeah. stuff. Yep. And so I've gotten a lot done already, and it's only 1230. Yeah, the nice thing that I'm looking forward to after lunch is coming back and now casually walking around, right. maybe hooking up with Shag or Stella and just shopping. Yeah, you should been diving and that sort of stuff. I think there are only two creators that are still on my must-get list, mm-hmm. which is Mike W. Barr and Ron Mars. Uh-huh. Other than that, everybody else is, for today anyway, is a would-be nice. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's kind of where I am, too, so I'm very happy about how things are. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Sure. Next up is shag who despite the crap i give him is one of the nicest guys and uh, whom i was incredibly excited to see he's been to a number of shows over the years i was excited to know what he thought so here's what his thoughts are about the baltimore comic-con a lot of fun. uh ones that really spent a lot of time though would, would be like uh carl kiesel spent some time chat with him um I'm blanking because everything's back in the room right now. Yeah, sorry. Wheezy had a great time talking with Wheezy. Isn't she the nicest person? Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Tom Palmer. Tom Palmer sort of made me that man I am today because the Star Wars comic was the first comic I ever bought and, and, and stuck with. And so I got a chance to tell him that story. We had this wonderful conversation. It was so nice because it was his comic, his cover. So they did, okay. did the whole thing. And um, so many other people I've, I've gotten. Yesterday was I got a signature, signature, signature. Yeah, signature, signature, signature. the first hour or so here we did, I did see Grummet and Kiesel, JLGL, 
Grumman uh, did. Yep. I got both. Yep. So James Mateus had signed my Craven Slash Hunt trade a couple of years ago, but Mike Zek and Bob McClatter both here. Okay. So I got both of them to sign it. That's cool. Yeah, that was really cool. I, I got a chance uh, to tell Mike Zek. Because Tom Palmer's Star Wars got me reading comics. Mike Zek's Secret Wars issue number two got me reading superhero comics. Yeah. So I got a chance to tell him that. Well, I told him, like, his G.I. Joe covers were, like, when I first started reading comics, that was, like, what drew me to that book. So, um, I'm trying to remember who else I got, because we were oh, just... Jerry Ordway. Oh, yeah. See, had I met him last year. amazing conversation. It went for, like, ten minutes. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you met him last year? I met him last year, yeah, yeah. Because we, we only do Saturdays, so it's a little bit less of a conversation. But yeah, but yeah it was really, really cool. He, um, we mentioned who's who, and he, and he just started talking about who's who. So by the end yeah. of it, I'm like, so we do a podcast. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. I'm like, oh. I got... John K. Snyder III to sign the Count Vertigo. Me too! And he's Because he mentioned somebody else had come by with it, and I'm like, I wonder if it was Shag. It was. Yeah. Did you see on his table what was there? Oh, dude. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'll show you. It was the... Uh, it's sort of the original. Oh, really? Because what happened was he drew it. Um, Michael Bailey says hi. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. He said he was just, jealous. Just now, I got a, a text. I told, that says, Hi, I told Bailey one year we're going to do Dragon Con because one of his friends was down in Atlanta. I have a friend from high school in Atlanta, so that. Oh. It, but that's not the real one. What it was, he yeah. drew that, and the editor said he wanted it more superhero like. So that's the prototype. That's the draft because you can tell the differences, like yeah. in the face and stuff. But that was sitting on his table. I'm like, <laughs> that is so cool. Yes. Um, Did you buy anything really cool? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Signatures. So, yeah. uh, Louise Simonson, mm-hmm. and then June, June Brigman, mm-hmm. and, and then Bob White. I got them all to sign my Power Pack graphic novel. Nice. Yeah, so part of the problem is when I started getting ready for the show, all my single issues are in long boxes, forty-nine long boxes in the garage, right. under the Christmas decorations in the back. Mm-hmm. So I just started pulling trades off of my shelf. I have a lot of trades that I bring. In. So I had Terry Moore sign. Like I'm on a mission to get Terry Moore to sign all like. 19 trades of um, Strangers in Paradise and I've been doing it over the years a little bit so I bought I brought like four or five to him I brought an issue of the new series and I bought bought his 20th anniversary sketchbook Okay. so I try to buy something off of him because you know he's a and I I have the yearbook I never buy the yearbook for this thing but they had it was a Strangers in Paradise thing it's up at the exclusive booth it's in my hotel room I should have got him to sign it I didn't think about it because it's for a friend of mine Luke signed a page and I didn't get everybody I kind of I kind of burned out. I was like, I really don't feel like getting more signatures today. Did so. he have a long? Does, he, does Terry Moore have a long line? I wonder. Uh, he might not. He had a couple people where I was there, and then so. But he's he is a pleasure to talk to. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I've, I've never yeah. read the book, but a good friend of mine. Yeah, if, was, if we so. want to go over there, we could always. Well, I'd have to go back to my hotel room and get uh, it first. Uh, well, uh, Jamal Eichel and Stuart Moore got them to sign a Firestorm comic. They were nice. Mm-hmm. Had a nice conversation with John Ostrander about Firestorm. Such a great guy. Very cool. So, and there's a million other signatures I'm forgetting. Yeah. Mark Wade. Oh, so Mark Wade wrote a backup in an old Aquaman miniseries. Uh-huh. He didn't write this story. He wrote uh, like an editorial about the history of Aquaman. Okay. Back when he was an editor. And that's how he learned the history of Aquaman the, from the from the printed publishing mm-hmm. land. And he did a nice piece on Ramona Fraden. So I took that to Ramona Fraden to sign. She says, like, oh, I've never read this before. Can I read this? So I left the book with her for like an hour, and she read it. She's a charming woman. She was wonderful. I met her a couple of times, yeah. So she signed it, and then I took over to Wade and told him the story. And he's like, oh, my gosh, she read my article. He's like, oh, great. And then he started reading. He's like, did I say anything bad? I'm like, no, you're good, you're good. He's like, yeah. okay. Because he he had um, he had a Super Friends comic. It was his last year or two years ago. The Super Friends comic that she signed. And she has done a bunch of illustrations for the SpongeBob comic. Really? Yeah. So he, she signed one of his, and so does Jerry Ordway. Okay. Jerry Ordway has done a lot of the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy stuff, so he signed a couple of things last year. For okay. So, yeah, we, yeah, 
did you buy anything? Have you bought any back issues of trades or anything like that? No, I've mainly been buying stuff from creators to get them to sign it. You know, like okay. Jeff Parker, yes. I bought stuff from him. Hey, I'm going to get us to get a picture. Okay. Um, All right, I'm going to turn this off. This is for the three of us. This is ask your son if you could take it. And finally, there's Stella, who had never been to this show either and who was I was really hoping would have a good time considering that uh, me and a couple other people sort of lightly coerced her into going. Um, and here is what she had to say, and you'll hear Shag interrupt as well. Yeah, I talked to Gene. Well, I talked to Gene. I talked to Shag. I talked to Luke Dobb. Okay. This is the first time you've been here. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of this? I can take a breather, so it's not... I mean, my comparison is always San Diego, oh, yeah. right? Because it's very overwhelming. So this is nice just because you can take your time. You can stand in the aisle if you want to. You're not being shoved around. I like the placement generally. I have so many artists, like a huge artist alley, which is always great. And, yeah, it's just a breathable experience, and you can just slow down and have fun and just go from booth to booth. And so... You did get to, you did see Tom King. I did see Tom King. Um, any other real huge highlights for you? Well, what else? Biggest thing that like coolest thing of the whole thing aside from being with Shag. <laughs> uh, I guess Tom Making King. I guess Tom. Oh yeah, I made a new friend. I think Tom King would be the highlight. Uh, he does these sort of terrible drawings and he posts them on. Instagram and so I wanted to give him my my sketchbook and say could you do one of your little doodles so that was fun yeah so starting my sketchbook might also be my highlight so it's going to be back roll themed so hopefully I'll ha hold it hold on to it for a while and just get multiple artists all right, cool. well I'm glad you came yeah I'm glad we all too. met up yeah. so I'm glad we were able to meet up yep yep so. alright I got another piece for your article if you want to say sure so one thing I was really impressed with with this show, compared to others, I've been to Dragon Con, I've been to Heroes Con, I've been to uh, some Doctor Who conventions, is there's just the sheer volume of creators here is astonishing in the comic book world yeah. specific. You know, it's not a pop culture show. No offense, pop culture affidavit. No, I but know. But it's a comic book show, and I've had more chances to talk with creators I care about here than any show I've ever been at. So yeah. it's really been impressive. Yeah, I've always impressed that when they do bring in the media guests, they are slightly comic book related, Yeah, and they put them off to a part where it's not going to interfere with the rest of the show. Yeah, fair and point. they do a very good job of, of having all these different sections like pretty well planned out. So. It's a cool show. I'm yeah. very impressed. Cool. And that really was kind of like how the day was. We were just kind of roaming around the convention floor and talking for a little while. Um, Brett really got along with both of them. It was really cool. Uh, this was some of the most fun I've actually had at the convention. I mean, I always have fun at this convention, but... In a big way, I think the Hangout is for the reason why it just was even better this year. We got the chance to take our time, we got to catch up, and as someone who doesn't get the chance to do that very often, it was quite frankly really great. And everyone had a good time, I mean, I'm still smiling about it. We left the convention around 4.45 or so, we lugged our stuff back to the car, and I finally got to charge my phone while we drove home. 
I will say that one slight miscalculation on my part had been the lack of caffeine and water, a lack of water's effect on me, um, and I didn't bring my Advil. So while I was doing my best to stay hydrated, by the end of the day, I did have a really bad headache, and it was only getting worse as we were driving home. Thankfully, when we got to Five Guys and I got to eat something for a little after a little while, like just the, the protein and the meat from the hamburger, it helped quite a bit, and I, I took Advil when I got home. But next year, pack meds. It'll, it'll really help. Now, the ride home was reserved for some solid reflection time, and Brett got the chance to do his official unboxing of the Steven Universe mystery box that he had purchased from a booth at the convention. Why don't you give it a listen? All right, so this is your third Baltimore Comic-Con. Yep. Okay. Um, so this year, you didn't cosplay this year, because... Um, but you decided to go ahead and just wear a superhero t-shirt. Yeah, and I got that t-shirt signed. Yes, by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, who is the artist. <laughs> and you met him, you you got a few of Superman comics signed by him, I think, right? Yep. Yeah, so that was pretty cool, because those are the ones that you found in the bins when we were in, were there like last year, the year before, and you've been reading through them here and there on your bedside table and stuff. Yeah. So it's cool. That's cool. All right. So um, you, uh, last year you met one of my friends. You met Gene, and you let, met his daughter Kira. She was dressed as Batgirl this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you met two of my friends who I, I know really well. You met Stella, and you met Shag. So uh, what did you think of those people? They were both really nice. Cool. I thought Shag had a great sense of humor. Oh, he's going to love hearing that. And Miss Stella was very, very nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, they both seem to really like you. So. All right. Um, what did you buy? So, I bought a lot of stuff. Okay, talk to me about some of the stuff that you ended up buying. So, I bought a graphic novel called Teen Boat. Mm-hmm. It's about this kid, and he can turn into a boat. Okay. It's by Dave Robin and John Green. Uh-huh. And um, it's the angst of being a teen and the thrill of being a boat. You're reading it right now? Um, yes, I am. Is it good so far? It is very good so far. Cool. Um, what else did you pick up? Because I know you we went to the Boom Studios table. Yeah, so I got... It was like buy three, get one free. So I got four Steven Universe trade paperbacks. Very cool. And... Yeah, that. I got a little dragon figurine. Yes, you did. I got a dragon button. Mm-hmm. I got the Master Sword. You did. You got the Master Sword. And I got a really cool Zelda poster. Mm-hmm. I got a Jabba the Hutt um, Lego figure. Yep. I, I got... Um, a little Triforce Zelda wooden um, desk decoration. Yeah. You, um, you got any pop figures this year? Yes, I did. I got Grunkle Stan from Gravity Falls. It's... No t-shirts this year, though. Yeah, there weren't that much. Mm-hmm. I was gonna get the Zelda cartridge t-shirt, Yeah. but they didn't have it in my size. That was a bummer, because that was a cool-looking t-shirt. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm trying to think what else did we get. So we got 
Um, we got a Bob Ross mystery box for Aunt Nancy. <laughs> yes. Um, I got a mini mystery box with it had like a WWF t-shirt in it, so I might put that up for uh, anybody who might want it. Um, let's see, what else did we get? Um, I got the Earth of Atari. Yeah, so that's a. It's very heavy. Yeah, I got that more than half off the cover price. It's, it's all about the different boxes of uh, Atari games and stuff like that. So that, that was pretty cool. You can put that back down. Um, did you get any comics? Because I got a pile of comics, and I know you've added to my pile. So I got a few Star Wars comics. Cool. So. Cool. All right. And you, are, what are you holding in your hands right now? Right now, I'm holding the Steven Universe Mystery Box. It's like reddish pinkish, and it has a star on it, so it looks like Steven's shirt. Okay. So, should we... Yep, go ahead and open it. Okay. First off, we have... Um... Four different Steven Universe collectibles. Okay. One is a Steven Universe backpack hanger. Okay. Another is a Steven Universe rocker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mystery. I have a little figurine of Sapphire. It's like the um, Dipper one that I have. Oh, with the, the glow? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it might be by the same company. And a plush clip-on. Okay. So let's open those up. Shall we? Yes. Okay, we have our... This is the plush one. After all, Hi. after all the machine boots. Oh, and there's al- and there's already a Stephen plush in here. All right. So now we're moving on to the Stephen Universe backpacking. Yeah, it's um so 
curveball or something? I think so. It's it's hard. It's hard. Okay, yeah. yeah so it's not. So you're just gonna put it back in the box. I'm gonna put it back in the box. <coughs> Satisfied with your with your Steven Universe uh, mystery box? Yes, I am very satisfied. Very cool. Would recommend. Uh, would recommend. Okay. Is there anything else uh, you want to say about the co convention? Um, any cosplay you saw? We got a few pictures with some people. Yeah, I um, got a picture with Breath of the Wild Link and Breath of the Wild Zelda. 
Very cool. So that was very awesome for me because that is probably one of my favorite games. Oh, and we went to the werewolf thing. Oh, yeah. So did you like doing that? I know yeah. it wasn't a scary werewolf. It was a cartoon werewolf, but what did you think? Um, that was actually really fun because I was for once able to ink my drawing without gel pen. Yeah, it's true. I saw you were adding a lot of shading and different stuff to it, too. Yeah, I just got... It looked a little plain, so I wanted to add some fur. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. Cool. I added fur. All right. So I'm, I'm going to put this all back in the box except for the blanket because I'm going to use that as a blanket because my legs are cold. Okay. Well, um, so you had a good time at the convention? Yes, right. I had a very, very great time. All right, well, thank you again for coming. I'm glad you had a good time. We got some really cool stuff. Yes. We're going to talk a little bit more about it on uh, the next segment, which you're not going to be on because we're going to record it separately. But um, thank you again for coming. We're headed to Five Guys and Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme. Traditional Five Guys and Krispy Kreme. Post tradition. Yes, post-con, dinner, and dessert, so... It's Panner... It's... Of, it's... Of Panneries tradition. It is a Panneries Not very long continued. Well, I've been doing... I've been doing the, uh, the Krispy Kreme thing every year. I'm in, like, among generations. Yes, so, well, eventually, maybe it will be. Alright, well, thank you. Of course, I did some shopping of my own. In addition to the Section Zero hardcover, the novel I bought from Andrea Rose Washington and the prints I brought from Luke Dobb, I bought a print from Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name. I got Dynamite's The Art of Atari book for $15. It was a really nice, more than 50% discount. I think Professor Allen will hopefully be proud of me for that. I didn't get a ton of time to shop for back issues and trades. I didn't find any real trade booths that were really knocking my socks off. Um, I found the booth that I always go to for back issues, the dollar bins and the 50 cent bins. I f and, and I was only there for a short time, but I realized I dropped like 50 or 60 bucks because I got plugged huge holes in my collection of Secret Origins, the Will Payton Starman series, and um, also DC's first Star Trek series which ran in the mid 80s that was something i've always been wanting to read and i got most of the run i think i have to go back and figure out what i'm missing at this point but i'm really really excited for that so yeah it was a great show i'm considering next year uh next year it's in october 19th 20th like a little bit later than usual so i might have to see how things fall into place as i get ready to look at what the fall is going to look like when i'm around this spring but before I close out, uh, I do have an email from Michael Bailey. Mike, who was on the sixth episode of It Came From Syndication, had written in just as the seventh episode had been um, posted. And I think he had been listening to that because I had talked about uh, getting feedback in the feedback section. And he writes, my so-called game show life. He says, Tom, you asked if any of us had ever been on or auditioned for a game show. And then he continues, back in 2013, Steve Eunice of the Superman homepage told me about this new game show that a producer was looking for contestants for. 
uh, that would be a primetime thing where every episode would feature someone who was an expert in a certain field. It being 2013 and it being around the time of Man of Steel was coming out, they were looking for an expert on Superman, and those and through Steve, the producer, got my number, and we had a 20 or 30, we had a 20 or so minute conversation where I got the feeling the guy was trying to get a sense of who I was and probably if I was going to be okay on national television. This led to several month ordeal where I talked to a bunch of producers and assistants. I had a video chat tryout, which I passed and took the entrance test, which was really funny because the woman who was super nice seemed a bit frazzled that the previous contestants nitpicked the questions because of, of course they did. I did well enough and was in the final pool, which meant I had to submit a video. After a few more months of waiting, I got an email where they said that the show wasn't going forward, but they had me in their files, and I get solicitations every once in a while for shows I can't audition for because I don't live in California. So that's my story. If I'm remembering correctly, Bertoni auditioned for the same show, but as a Beatle expert. Thanks for letting me be a part of the show, and I look forward to our next chat. Uh, yes, this is okay to read on the air, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Uh, anybody, uh, feel free to email me, and if you still have any syndication episode uh, feedback or anything, even though that series is done, I will include it on feedback sections of future episodes of this show. And uh, speaking of this show, I would like to take a moment to talk about what is coming up in future episodes. In a couple of weeks, I'll actually drop episode 91, which will be a TTF patented S-C-O-R-E or SCORE shameless coattails riding episode, where I'll be covering some classic New Teen Titans comics because the Titans series drops in October. Then in November, I will get around to something I teased way back in my summer miniseries, which is the VHS tapes that uh, I found in my parents' basement. So things I recorded off television back in the 80s and 90s will get its own episode. That will be followed by December's Festivus episode, which will once again feature a special guest if things work out the way they should. And by the time we hit that, we'll be about six or seven episodes away from episode 100, and I've got some great stuff planned for numbers 99, 100, and 101. I will say that 2019 will probably get off to a slightly slower start than usual because this is the year I'm also intending to wrap up in country because I'm finally going to hit episode 100 of that, and that might take priority. So not that you this will go dark for a long time, but... Just understand that if you see more in country come out than this than this show, that's because I'm I'm knee deep into into getting that taken care of. In a sense, I love doing that show, and I'm gonna miss it. But until then, you can check out the blog for show notes and other stuff, and you can follow me on Twitter at popaff. That's p o p a f f. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone I had the chance to interview, speak to, and hang out with at the 2018 Baltimore Comic Con. I'd like to thank everyone associated with the Baltimore Comic Con for making all of us feel incredibly welcome. And as always, thank you very much for listening, and take care.
Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit. All clips and media are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only, so no infringement is intended. Feedback can be sent via email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash popcultureaffidavit. For more content, including show notes, media, and essays, be sure to check out the blog, which can be found at popcultureaffidavit.com. This podcast is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which is a division of the Demanza Corps of Milan, Italy. You can support all the Two True Freaks podcasts by using the Amazon.com link at twotruefreaks.com whenever you shop. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit, and come back next time for more pop culture randomness.